0: three dagger hello 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 welcome to episode seven of well beyond the arc i'm Manoli,
1: and i'm montana
0: and as always we'll be talking nba basketball here for the next hour or so uh, a couple of housekeeping notes right off the bat if you haven't done so already please subscribe to the yankee and the brit sports group on your bottom left-hand corner if you're watching us on youtube or on spotify twitch wherever and if you haven't done so already what are you waiting for man get all the good updates on not just well beyond the arc but all the other different shows on the yankee and the brit sports group uh I guarantee you'll enjoy it. so another item of, of note um montana and i have already filmed a special two-part episode that's gonna the first part's gonna be dropping In our normal time slot next week. Uh, Don't want to tease too much of what that is. But the only hint I will give you is. Anyway. Let's head on to our first topic. Montana. Big news today in the NBA. Uh, It's reported that Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. Has won his second consecutive MVP award. Beating out uh, the 76ers Joel Embiid. And the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, whose jersey, whose Greek national team jersey, I'm rocking here today. For those that are watching on YouTube, Montana, was that the right call that the writers had in the NBA and naming Nikola Jokic the MVP, or were one of the other two finalists more deserving of this year's award? In your opinion?
1: So, in my opinion, both other finalists were more deserving. I definitely had Nikola. Jokic on that top three. No problem there. He belongs on that top three list, man. He he put up such such historical statistical numbers specifically for his franchise alone, and that's huge, all right? First round exit, uh, you know, sixth seed, whatever. It, it's, it's regular season MVP, not playoff MVP. Personally, I think that we should add, I know there's finals MVP, but personally, I think they should add a, a playoff MVP as well. I don't know what the criteria of that would be or what that would look like, but some type of award for the best, the MVP in the playoffs. That's not finals MVP. So that's a separate thing. But I don't think, I don't think Jokic really should have been that guy that got, whose name got called. I had Embiid and then right behind Embiid, I had the best player in the NBA, Giannis. Um, so I, I did not have, um, you know, Jokic on that number one spot. I had I had him closer to the three, um, I will say statistically he put up a more deserving run for MVP this year than I think he did last year. He improved on his numbers quite a bit between steals, scoring, rebounds. His assist numbers dropped a little bit, but a couple injuries probably played into that. Um didn't have as many key targets to pass to. But no, I don't think I don't think it should have been him. I think Embiid was robbed. Um I think we've seen this before, you know, throwing back to Steve Nash, who personally I think is a bit overrated. Um, And not just because he can't lead a a Nets team, you know, to the finals like they predicted right when he got there. Uh, But no, I think he's a bit overrated. We saw him win back-to-back 06, 07, and he was up against LeBron James, Dirk Nowinski, Kobe Bryant, players that personally I think were having more success than him in other areas. It's not just stats – we also, I think, need to look at more than just stats when we go into MVP voting. I personally think the only thing they really look at is stats. You know, they've been they've been examined on this before, and and they've kind of said that it's more than just the stats. But Nikola Djokic, I mean, that's just the stats. Giannis and uh, Embiid were both top three seeds uh, in the East. They should have been they should have been considered higher up than Jokic. So. I don't agree personally with the pick. Um, congratulations, Zoya Jokic. He's a great player. He kept that Denver team alive and even helped them pull out one win in the in that series against the Warriors. So I don't agree with it, and I had him at third.
0: I have a hard time with this one. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think it's highway robbery, but I would have wanted to see someone else win it. I don't have a problem against with the Joker. I, he's a great player. Um, it's hard to argue against some of the stats, but it's also hard to argue against some of the stats and the, the team play of the other two finalists, right? So, a couple of stats I'm going to throw out should be just because I'm a stat geek with this type of stuff. Jokic, first player in NBA history to have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists in the same season. Some of those guys can't get one of those. Most guys can't get one of those uh, feats in one season. He was arguably better this year than last year just by the eye test and, and single handedly leading Denver to a 48 and 34 record, which got him the sixth seed in the playoffs and a date with the, the Golden State Warriors, which Golden State made quick work of him. I Un- completely agree with that. This year, what, what's happened in recent years is sometimes a guy wins an MVP and then the second year he comes back and plays even better. So the writers think, well, how do we justify not giving it to him a second time? You brought up Steve Nash. He played even better in his second MVP season. Giannis Kumbo, same thing. How do you not give it to him? So I think that's kind of what happened. A little bit of a recency bias with Nikola Jokic. You know, all the other stats that are new school stats, if you will, like PER stats and, and things like that, Jokic eclipsed and beat Adetokounmpo. And I'll be honest, I don't understand those stats, so I'm not even going to give them to you. But as far as the other two guys go, equally deserving, if not more, Yanisidis Gumbo, a career high in points and 29.9 points per game, Um, led Milwaukee to the three seed in the East. Joel Embiid, a career high 30.6 points and a better defender than Jokic. Both of those finalists are better defenders than Jokic. And for me, I think, you know, carry a little bit more weight in the MVP discussion. But Joel Embiid won the scoring championship, Um, had to deal with the whole Ben Simmons drama the whole year. Is he playing? Is he not? Um, Philly got off to a slow start, but he basically, he carried that team. Even when they got James Harden, James Harden hasn't been as good as advertised and has struggled in Philadelphia. Personally, I would have, I would have wanted to see Joel Embiid win MVP. Giannis said that the Kumba already has two MVPs, um, well-deserving of both. And he could have been well-deserving of a third one. You can make the argument for him too. Um, but I think Giannis has more around him that helps to, ta- that kind of takes it away from, from his MVP votes. For me, it's, it's Embiid. I would have had Embiid, then Jokic, then I did Akumbo. but yeah, just and, us.
1: Yeah, no, and it's, again, the criteria is sometimes questionable. Like you said, back to backs have I've, I've questioned back to backs. Um, sure, I, I think, like you said, they don't look. You get so blinded by oh, this MVP last year better what they did. They're they they look even better. That can make you turn a blind eye to the other deserving candidates. So. Not a high rate robbery, like you said. I definitely think Jokic was up there on that list, deserving. But I think he was. I think he should have been third. I think it was Embiid and then Giannis and then Jokic, without a doubt. Yeah. So that's well, that's what I would have had in the top three.
0: It reminds me of uh, the 1961-62 season. Neither one of us was around. Not even me. I'm not that old. <laughs> uh, when Oscar Robinson, that was the first season that someone had posted a triple double, average a triple double for the whole year. And he finished third in MVP voting. Thirty plus points a game, eleven plus point uh, rebounds, eleven plus assists per game, and he was third in MVP voting. I'm not saying this is; these are the same types of seasons and caliber of players, but that's how close I think the MVP voting should have been. But hey, congrats to Nikola Jokic, and you know for Embiid, who I know really wanted that MVP. You know, better luck next year. Got a got a bigger trophy to catch to chase right now. So absolutely. Well, from the MVP to the Coach of the Year, uh, another leaked report today earlier from uh, the NBA is that Phoenix Suns head coach Monty Williams has been named, reportedly named Coach of the Year, uh, beating out other finalists in the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, Taylor Jenkins, and the Miami Heat's Eric Spolstra. Montana issues with Monty Williams. Did they get it right, or did somebody else get robbed again?
1: I would say nobody got robbed here. Um, you're, you're taking a guy that took a Suns team that was 19 and 63 before he was there and made them into the top team in the West within his first four seasons there. That is by far the person that deserves Coach of the Year. I think we're going to see Monty Williams being a winning coach for a while. I don't see him leaving that Suns organization for a good chunk of his career. And I don't see that Suns leaving that top three seeding for the next. For his whole for his whole time there, I see them staying up and and remaining a top team and a contender. So Monty Williams 100% deserved it. Other great coach candidates that got you know second, third, fourth, whatever, but he by far I think pulled away from the pack specifically for where this Suns team started when he took over and in a short, quick time, obviously getting Chris Paul, a couple other moves definitely boosted that, but I definitely think that he deserved it for the quick and swift motions he's made since he's been their coach.
0: I don't have a problem with Monty Williams winning the award. I'm a big Monty Williams fan. Um, big fan of the man. Uh, I think he's a great leader. Good X's and O's guy. Um, you know, my bulls aren't in the playoffs. I wouldn't mind seeing Monty Williams and the Suns win it all this year. Um, and getting a team to come back and come back even stronger than a, uh, coming off of a year where they lost in the NBA Finals, I can't imagine what that feels like, to get, especially for a guy like Chris Paul, who's been in the league since Moses part of the Red Sea, uh, you know coming so close, finally getting to the finals, and coming so close to that elusive NBA championship and losing it, but Monty Williams bring it, being able to bring that whole squad back and be even better with the NBA's best record at 64 and 18 and making another cha- uh, chase at a championship. I don't have a problem with Monty Williams. I think he should have won the coach of the year last year when Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks won it. Now, granted, the Knicks came out of nowhere um, with kind of a boring roster. Julius Randle had an all-worldly season out of nowhere as well. I mean, the New York media bias, of course, if the Knicks make the playoffs and make any noise, you know, Tom, I'm surprised they didn't put Tom Thibodeau in the hall of fame right after that, but <laughs> I think Monty Williams is more deserving of the award. Last year, no problem with winning the award this year, but for me, it was Taylor Jenkins this year, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Grizzlies last year made it into the play-in, made some noise against Utah in the first round, but came out in gangbusters this year. The, the job he's done with that young group, and we've said it a couple times on our podcast here, I think their oldest vet is 28, and that's Steven Adams. I, I, we've said it about three or four times. All that young talent, being able to corral it, not only you know, being successful, but a share the wealth type of type of deal. Um, no egos. And to play defense. Being a second seed in the West is not anything easy. I personally would've liked to see Taylor Jenkins win it, but no problems with Monty Williams at all.
1: No, yeah. I think that it could have gone either way. I mean, a lot of teams have really improved upon last season, the season before, even beginning of the season to the end of the season, we've seen teams improve. So there's plenty of deserving candidates. And I think coach of the year is one of the hardest awards to judge because there's so many coaches that can get in these positions and make a big difference really fast or over time make a big difference. So I think it's arguably one of the closest races of awards for the basketball awards. I would arguably say it's one of the closest races among all awards for professional sports. And I'm only specifically talking NBA because these records and these, you know, these differences can be by one or two games, five or 10 games. I mean, there's so many different things here. So personally, I think Monty Williams definitely does. And, and last year, I will say like, they made that huge leap last year, um, I was I was full on expecting him to bring it home last year. Do I think he should have gotten it back to back years? I mean, I was just going off on how I don't like back to back MVPs. Back to back Coach of the Year would be a whole different thing, but I don't. I I think I do. I am with you that last year. I mean, that was their huge jump. Yes, they improved their record this season, but last season they made that big jump to that spot that they're in now. So it kind of set them up for this season and beyond, but. Nope, no real problems. Um, I'm sure we'll see a bunch of new, if not returning, candidates this time next year.
0: Oh, yeah. And and we've got to give some love to a guy we haven't even talked about yet today, Eric Spolstra, number one seed Miami Heat out of the East. I mean, also well-deserving in the award. But I think the Miami Heat have been so competitive over, over the years, you just kind of expect the Miami Heat to be there with a bunch of those grind uh, grinded-out type of players uh, Three and D guys and things of that mm. nature, but Spo, I don't. I think Spo doesn't get the credit he deserves now, um, but who knows? We'll see what happens going forward. Well, from all of the hardware that's been handed out in the NBA, we go to uh, some trouble on the hardwood, especially for Memphis Grizzlies star John Morant. There's a controversial play in the fourth quarter of. of game number three between the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies, where it looked like Jordan Poole, instead of going after the ball, was going after John Morant's knee. And it's been reported that John Morant very well might miss game number four with a tweak in that same knee. Now, I didn't watch the game live. I, I watched it on replay. But, Montana, do you think that Jordan Poole intentionally tried to injure John Morant?
1: No, I don't think – I don't think this, that was – I think that John ja Morant, you know, he, he went on Twitter and said the whole, the whole broke the code thing that had been said to his team. He is just being petty. That is just him. John ja yep. Morant did the gritty dance across the logo after beating um, out – wow, I can't even think of who they t- – Timberwolves, I'm sorry. Geez, blank there for a go. second. Pretty forgettable now that we're in this next round. Se- but.
0: Senior moment at 21, Montana. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, it's not looking good. But no, he, you know, he's petty. He's petty like that. I think that this was just another example of that. Um, I think even he would tell you that. Maybe not in the heat of the moment, but it was not something that I would look at as an intentional injury. I think, I think looking at it, there's there's no angle of it that I've watched that makes it look like he was grabbing his knee, trying to hurt him. It was it was just an unfortunate, you know, situation. Obviously, I believe Jaw's out as we are recording tonight for game 4. Um, that, I believe that's what it's he's, looking like. So he's so he's out and, and that's going to hurt this Grizzlies team. I mean, without Jaw, they can win without him. I think they can keep up with the Warriors, but you you need your guy. You need your guy going up against one of the, you know, NBA's biggest powerhouses of the 2010s. So, I don't think it was intentional. I think the Jaw was being petty like he can be, but I think I don't think that it should have gone either way. I don't think that it should have said broke the code either time. I don't think that anybody broke the code in this series. And what is the code? That's my question. What What is this code? I still don't know exactly what code they're referring Up, to.
0: down, left, right, R2, L2.
1: <laughs> I, I guess that must be what They're, they're saying something that doesn't make sense because I don't know what code. If they could elaborate what code they mean, maybe that would give us more of an idea of what they're saying. But – all I've seen is a couple of social media exchanges about breaking a code, and I don't think either any of them have been breaking any code. So I just think this also shows how soft the NBA is getting. I mean, I, I think that I understand the heat of the moment, you know, getting on Twitter. It's, it's so easy nowadays just to, after a bad game or, or, you know, something happens, going on social media or pulling a Draymond and doing a whole podcast and a whole emergency episode right after. So, you know, social media is right here for us, but – I don't think, I don't think anyone broke any code. So I, I think that this this needs to just die down. I saw Klay Thompson also chimed in today, and it's like let's just let's let's not. Let's just get in. You know, play basketball. This is a competitive series. Let's focus on that. Injuries. We hope Jaw gets back. You know, we hope everyone can be healthy. But there was no code broken.
0: Yeah, well, I'm with Clay Thompson. Let's just let's just play. You know. Um, yeah. Look. I think you hit it on the head when you said that, you know, when we talked about this before, about how we feel the NBA has gotten softer. There's been a little bit of blood, blood, bad blood in this series, right? It started with the Dylan Brooks. Actually, no, I take it back. It started with the Draymond Green flagrant foul. And if you know, you're know you watching us on YouTube, you know, I'm seeing I'm throwing up the air quotes here with my stress ball. The, the flag, so-called flagrant foul on Brandon Clark, where he like gra- it looked like he grabbed him by the jersey and got tangled up with him. What have you, that's not a, that was not worthy of an injection, but that start that set the tone for the series right away. Right. Then you had uh, an opening moments of game two. Yeah. Dylan Brooks, just, you know, on a break, a Gary Payton three breakaway, just swipe across. He wasn't even looking at Gary Payton. He was just trying to go up and make a foul, you know, get him to the foul line, prevent a layup, no layup rule, especially in the playoffs and Gary Payton landed awkwardly. It looked a lot worse. I mean, it was kind of unnecessary, Mm -hmm. worthy of a flagrant foul. I don't know about a flagrant two, but in today's day and age, that's an automatic ejection, right? Then you have this John Morant thing where he tweaked a knee and it's very convenient that Jordan Poole appears to tug on his knee. Now, if you go on Twitter, there's also a picture of John Morant grabbing in a different play, grabbing at Steph Curry's Achilles and his calf. So these guys aren't really good. The speed of an NBA game is so fast. These players are so quick that we don't even understand what's going on if you if you look closely. These guys are going for the ball, trying to steal. I don't believe for a second Jordan Poole was trying to yank uh, John Morant. Even if you do, I'm mean, like, what, what are you doing? You're pushing him? You're just trying to yank him? I mean, it, come on. Um, no, I don't think he tried tried to, to injure him at all. I like John Morant. Young guy. What you don't need at this time of the year is play uh, – d- you don't need his playoffs. Of course, you need the playoffs. What you don't need this time of year is distractions. And unfortunately, John Morant accidentally caused a distraction for his team. And also, the Warriors, especially the veteran Warriors like Draymond Green and Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, those guys have been there before. Andre Iguodala Clay, when Clay Thompson completely dismissing and saying you want to play ball, yeah, vet move. It doesn't matter. Let's keep playing. You can't control who's out there and who's not. Play ball. But it almost seemed like an excuse. Granted, John Morant went out and Warriors wanted a big run, but the Warriors didn't get hot so quickly, even with John Morant in Anyway, So shut up and play. I'm not saying shut up and dribble. It's a completely different story. That's not. I'm not going to that analogy. But I think that we need to stop making excuses, not we. Memphis Grizzlies need to stop making excuses um, and just get it out. It's unfortunate that John Morant tweaked his knee and he's going to be out today. Don't know how serious the injury is. Hopefully he's back for game five, but – Let's not start making accusations. Um, some three, three different unfortunate plays in the series. I could see a little mini rivalry brewing here, but as a result, but this is the playoffs, this kind of stuff happens. And if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, you got to stop dwelling on it and keep moving forward. You're 20 and five without John Morant in the lineup. You're more than capable of beating the golden state warriors, but that's not, a, that's not an easy task. It's easier said than done. So, We'll see how the rest of the series shapes out. Uh, It'll be a best of, uh, well, 2-1 going into game four. So it'll really be interesting to see what happens tonight. So, well, from the uh, Battles on the Harwood to one of the more fun games that's coming across YouTube and Spotify Nation. Yes, it's time for another fun edition of NBA Player or. Last week, if you guys are watching, Montana went three out of five, bringing his total in NBA player or to 18 of 25. That's right. He's batting 72 percent, which would get him in the Hall of Fame twice if this was Major League Baseball. But it's basketball and we must move forward. So for those of you that have been following and watching, listening well, well beyond the arc podcast, you know how the game is played. But if you're new to the program, I ask. Montana, or I give Montana, one of these days I'm going to get that phrase right, Montana, I swear, (laughs) I give Montana five names, and he has to tell me whether or not they are NBA players or someone from another walk of life. So this week's episode, and this week's edition is going to be NBA player or sports movie characters. All right. Yeah. So Montana I don't know I said this last week I think you're going to do well once again but we shall see
1: I'm hoping for that five five in a row I didn't do great last week I thought I was going to do a little bit better with how much of the draft I was watching I thought I'd get a few more of those of those names but I think I think I've got this one I feel a five in a row coming on
0: well uh, we'll find out how how many sports movies and which ones are your favorite are pretty quickly here and you know, spoiler alert, no Space Jam characters, no Bugs Bunny <laughs> ap- uh, appearances in this game. Oh, so anyway, if Montana gets a name correctly, ide- well, identifies a, a name correctly, you will hear this sound. Victory! Thank you, Johnny Drama, as always. And if Montana is incorrect in his response, you will hear this sound. <laughs> Simple enough, straightforward. Montana, you ready to go?
1: I'm ready, let's get into it.
0: All right, The first name that I will give you is, is this an NBA player or sports movie character? Name is Eric Murdoch. Eric Murdoch.
1: Um, I'm going to go with, oh man. Maybe I'm not so confident in this this week. This is starting <laughs> off on a on a tricky one. Um, I'm gonna trust my gut and go with NBA player. Victory!
0: Your gut didn't fail you this time. Yes, Eric Murdoch, former guard, uh, played in the NBA from 1991 to 2000. Played with the Utah Jazz, Milwaukee Bucks, Vancouver Grizzlies, Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat, New York, New Jersey Nets and the LA Clippers averaging 10.1 points per game. See, I found just someone that's averaging double <laughs> figures for their career.
1: That's no one of the first ones, I think.
0: No 3.4 <laughs> points per game. <laughs> At least not yet. All right. One for one. Second name. Is this gentleman an NBA player or sports movie character? The name is Reggie Dunlop. Reggie Dunlop. <sighs>
1: I believe this is a sports movie character from a hockey movie. Victory
0: Oh, he even mentioned the sport. Yes, sir. Reggie Dunlap played by legendary actor Paul Newman in the nineteen seventy-seven classic Slapshot. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, couldn't fool him with Slapshot. <laughs> That's alright. Well, let's let's keep going. Uh Name number three. Is this an NBA player or sports movie character? The name is Jason Lyle. Jason Lyle.
1: Jason Lyle. Um, I'm going to stick with sports movie.
0: Victory! Oh, boy. it's part of The pressure is building up. Three for three. Yes. Jason Lyle played by Channing Tatum. In the 2005 movie, Coach Carter. All right. Making this too easy for you. All <laughs> right. Name number four. Is this an NBA player or sports movie character? The name is Bailey Howell. Bailey Howell.
1: I'm going to stick with sports movie character. Oh, I thought you had it there.
0: Yes. Yes. Bailey Howell, NBA Hall of Famer.
1: Oh, man.
0: Played for 12 seasons in the NBA average. Get this, 18.7 points per game. Played with the Detroit Pistons, Boston Celtics, Baltimore Bullets, and the Philadelphia, I believe, 76ers. uh, Scored a total of 17,770 points. Playing in the years 1959 through 1972. Yeah, old school guy, but I, when I saw that name on Basketball <laughs> Reference, I'm not going to lie, I didn't know who he was before today. Sorry, sorry, Howell family, I did not know who Bailey Howell was. That's news to me, but yes. Fortunately, yes, that's an NBA player. So, all right. Three for four, let's see if you can finish out strong here, in Montana. Name number five, is this an NBA player or sports movie character? The name is Jack Bradfield. Jack Bradfield.
1: I am going to trust my gut here and stick with sports movie character. Victory!
0: All right, your guts come through good a couple times here today. Jack Bradfield, played by actor Bruce Altman, whoever the hell that is, in the 1993 movie Rookie of the Year. Jack Bradfield is the boyfriend who later in the movie became ex-boyfriend of Henry Rowan Gardner's mom, Mary. All right, four out of five, Montana. That brings your uh, running total to twenty-two out of thirty. Pretty, pretty good.
1: Not bad. I was looking for that five for five, but maybe I'll get that. Maybe I'll get that next game.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well done, sir. One, one of these days, Thank I'm going to get you a, a two for five. But <laughs> you know, I got, I got to give it to you. you. Gotta doing pretty well from the charity stripe. Well, moving on to current playoff coverage. Still are, are couple conference semifinals matchups in both conferences are going on. Most of them, a couple game fours happening as we speak. Uh, the other two uh, game fours were played yesterday. So a lot of interesting series. We've already talked about uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and Golden State Warriors, just the injury and some of the bad blood that's brewing between those guys. But of all the different series, Philly, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Dallas, Golden State and Memphis of the eight teams that are remaining left, who is in the biggest trouble? Who, who's closest to saying one, two, three Cancun in your opinion.
1: So at the time of filming this, the Milwaukee versus Celtics game is closed and the Celtics pulled it off with a pretty impressive win tying that series 2 two. But if you ask me, the team that is in the biggest trouble would be 100% the Miami Heat. And it's not the record. They're 2-2. They they're all tied up. But Joel Embiid is back and good luck stopping him. And if there's one player in these playoffs and I'm going to say it right now, if there's one player in these playoffs that's going to drag a team LeBron style to the conference finals and maybe the finals, it's it's definitely Embiid. The in I'm going to say it, the MVP in my opinion. I guess not in a lot of other people's opinions, but in my opinion, I would say he is by far the MVP. So you've got the MVP. James Harden had a 30 piece. Finally, I mean, he started to play more like they need him to. If James Harden can at least score 26 to 30 and move the ball like he was last night when they tied the series up, I truly believe that this 76ers team is going to win the next two games and that'll be the series. I think they win it in six. I think the Heat are a fantastic team. And I think that put the Heat up against the Celtics and I think the Heat come out of it. But the reason I'm I'm saying, you know, they're, they're going to be stopped is that that Sixers team is scary when they have Embiid. When they don't, they're not. Well, Embiid is back and from what we can tell, he's he's good to go and he's, he's ready to, to, you know, make a push for the conference finals. So I definitely think, you know, the biggest game that is close to that would be, would be that, that heat, the, the, the you know, the biggest series. And again, it's, it's two, two, it's all even and Bede and Harden. When he plays like the Harden that we know, I think that they've got it.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised you went with Miami. I, I do agree that Philly has got momentum heading back into Miami for game five. Now that Joel Embiid's back, um, James Harden finally had a 30-point game, which, you know, if you would have said this, had this conversation a year or two ago, would be like, of course he had a 30-point game. Um, you know, he's got to continue to play well. Danny Green's got to hit shots. Tobias Harris has to has to put in some buckets here. That's not who I'm going to go with, though. I think the Memphis Grizzlies are the team that's in the most trouble. Now, that can change tonight as, as they go into game four uh, against the Golden State Warriors, but with their MVP candidate, Joe Ja Morant, out, and an injury that we don't, no one knows how long it's going to keep them out for. Um, you go down 3-1 to the Warriors, a team that's hot right now, an experienced team. Granted, Steve, coach, uh, Steve Curry isn't going to be able to coach tonight due to uh, COVID-19 protocols, hopefully he's all right. But um, yeah, I mean, if Memphis, even if they're going home uh, down 3-1, 3-1 3-1. Um, I don't think Golden State's going to let another 3-1 lead head back so for me i think memphis is in trouble but it's going to be really interesting what happens tonight in game four but another team that can go right up there i know he said give one but one would be memphis but 1a would be milwaukee uh they've just fell to boston right now heading back to boston tied 2-2 and all the momentum is in boston's favor um and bucks are without um chris middleton as well seems like Yanis Kumbo is back to, you know, a couple of years ago in his playoffs when he would just try to go one on five and not dish out before the opponents were able to take the charge. That's another team to look at, in my opinion. I don't know. How do you feel?
1: Um, you know, I think that so. So my take on this is I think, you know, the Bucks are struggling. I think, you know, they, they had a pretty swift first round, um, took care of business pretty well. I think without Chris Middleton and with some of Giannis's old ways showing, it's not gonna be an easy one series. But I still have the Bucks winning. I, I have the Eastern Conference Finals being Bucks versus 76ers. Um, I think the Bucks will snap out of what this the game the way they play tonight is not reflective of the team they are. And the good news is this isn't an elimination game. Okay, this is not, I mean, and this isn't even a game that puts the Celtics in front of you. So it's okay to drop a game like this. If they drop the next one, we may be seeing them have an early exit. I personally think they're going to make that push all the way back to where they were last year, which is in the finals. But I think that if they drop the next game, then they may be in a bit of trouble. But if they drop the next game, and Giannis has a great game and they just lose by, a, you know, a spread of four four to six points, I still don't think panic. But if you get blown out or Giannis doesn't give you the performances you need, then I think we can start looking at that as a potential threat to them being an exit. But right now I have the Bucks waking up well before they find themselves back in the finals. I have them waking up and, and kind of rolling through the rest of the East.
0: It's going to be interesting. You know, just helpfully I hope that goes seven, but – We'll see what happens. Well, let's hold for a a quick word from the Yankee and the Brit.
1: What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Jay, from Yankee and the Brit, telling you to come over and check out our shows, the Yankee and the Brit Sports Talk, Well Beyond the Arc, The Markout Podcast, Flagrant and Foul, Real Talk with Jay, and MMA Underground Weekly at YouTube backslash the Yankee and the Brit. Deuces.
0: All right. As always, be sure to check those out, guys. All right. So we went from who's in trouble to well, who's in the driver's seat in the playoffs. A lot, like we said before, a lot of these series are not at up two-two. Montana, is it really obvious? Is there one obvious team that's sitting pretty right now?
1: I really, I really on. think so. Yeah, I think, and I think that this is another series that is two-two. Um, so obviously, you know, we're all tied up. Game wise, but I think the Dallas Mavericks have this series against the Suns. I really do. I think, and again, I, I, this this I, I went back and forth today. I was like, you know, I really think the the Warriors have their series. They have it locked down. I think if Jaw comes back, you could be down three one. You could be down three one. And if there's one team that's gonna make a three one comeback, it's the Grizzlies. So if if they get down three one, but Jaw can play in the Jaw can, I think they come back. So. I I quickly took them out because of the team that the Grizzlies are. The Suns do not have an answer for a lot of these Maverick players. The Mavs are having their way. Yes, the, the series is all tied up. The games have been extremely close. But in my personal opinion, the Mavericks are playing better basketball. The Mavericks are playing basketball that got them to the championship in 2011. Don't have Dirk. Some of those other key vets they don't have, obviously, but... Still, I, I think that this is a, a team that has what it takes to make a push. So I think the Mavs are in the driver's seat. Um, personally, I think the Western Conference Finals is going to be Mavs-Warriors. I, I don't have the Grizzlies having what it takes. If they don't have Jaw, they're definitely done. I, and again, we've seen them play better without Jaw. But if they don't have Jaw in the playoffs, it's different. This isn't the regular season where you're playing the Hawks. You're playing, you know, you're playing all these other teams, you know, the Kings. You're playing, however many times you play, you know, the Thunder. You're playing these teams without Jaw. It's fine, but you're playing a team that arguably, or a franchise that arguably, is one of the greatest in sports. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make it happen without Jaw. So I think it'll be Warriors, Mavs. Um, Suns are disappointing me right now. They really are. I, and it's not so much the scores or the or the. the You know, the stats of their players. No, it's, it's, you're the one, the number one seed, the best team in the NBA. And this Mavs team is, is tied the series. That doesn't make me feel like they're in the driver's seat. So I've got, I've got Mavs coming out of it and I have them being in the driver's seat decently comfortably. Devin Brooker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, obviously can't be too comfortable with those players, you know, on the other side. But I think that the Mavs are, I think the Mavs have, Control specifically, Luca. His he he is just out there to play. He is just out there every single time he's on the court. He's making something happen. So we're seeing the future face of the NBA in this series, and I think he's gonna come out and his team's gonna come on top.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go a different direction. I went with uh, Memphis being in trouble. So the complete other side is <laughs> being the Warriors being in, in, in the catbird seat as uh, former White Sox. Uh, play-by-play announcer, Hawk Harrelson, would say, got him in the catbird seat. Well, look, if John Morant is out for any length of time, that, that depletes the Memphis Grizzlies. Are the Grizzlies capable of, of still being competitive without John Morant? Absolutely. Uh, but I think the Warriors' experience, their firepower, their depth, then they're they're going back home for Game 5, no matter what happens. No, actually, I'm sorry. they're They're going back to Memphis for Game 5. But... Regardless, it's a veteran team that can win, the, win on the road. I think the Warriors have the best shot. Now, Dallas has been surprising me all playoffs long so far. Um, I, I, I disagree that the Dallas Mavericks are in the driver's seat. They're looking really good right now. They found something in the last two games, and that something has been by being able to go small with, uh, you know, taking DeAndre Ayton out of what he's comfortable doing. And the Suns not using and exploiting the matchups that DeAndre Ayton, Ayton is getting on, on the flip side there. Um, and Maverick's got a bunch of guys that are long uh, defensive, uh, can shoot threes. Uh, we talked about Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, we have Jalen Brunson, who is uh, one of the top candidates for most player of the year, at least should have been. Um, honestly, I still don't understand how they're doing it. You, Luka Doncic is willing this team to win. But I think the Suns have gotten away from what they've been doing best. And they, in the, even in the last series against the Pelicans, they struggled to shoot uh, on the road a couple of different times, which you got to hit shots no matter where you're playing. But the sons have been here before they're going back to Phoenix for game five. Everybody's healthy with the exception of Jay Crowder. That's, that's going to be a loss for him. Uh, we don't know how long he's going to be out, but better to have Jay Crowder out than Devin Booker CP three. Um, We'll get into some CP3 talk here in a little bit as well. But um, for me, it's the Warriors. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Either way, we are getting some great playoff basketball here in these semifinals. And you know, my philosophy, more basketball, more better.
1: Absolutely agreed.
0: Well, we mentioned uh, Chris Paul's team, the Phoenix Suns. Not sure if everybody saw what happened yesterday uh, during game four of the Suns Mavericks American Airlines arena in Dallas, but during a timeout, there's been some feeds going around and some video clips going on, on Twitter. It appears that some fans had been, were harassing the wife and mother of Chris Paul were seated right behind the Suns bench. Now we don't have all the details, so we're just speculating at this point, but obviously that was a distraction to, to Chris Paul and, and, the, and the Suns team. Um, you know, what was said, it was, and I think it was Chris Paul that mouthed the words, they put their hands on them. Um, for me, if someone put their hands on my wife or, or my mom, I would not be happy about it, no matter what was happening. And it got to the point where reportedly Chris Paul's children, who were with his wife and mom, felt unsafe and they had to leave. Now, Montana, what do you make of this? Granted, we don't have all the facts. We don't have the whole story. There's only limited video fee that we're getting from fans. Um What do you make of this whole situation?
1: So I don't want to say there's two sides. First of all, you should never put your hands on anyone, especially I think fans are getting way too comfortable with involving personal people and personal things that should not come into this. Yeah, there's trash talk. Uh, You know, There's been some amazing trash talk from fans to players. Spike Lee has been in players' ears for years. It really hasn't worked so well. As we've seen, you know, we've never really seen them, you know, it hasn't worked too well. If anything, it's motivated some legends such as Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan to actually put on a show and hurt the Knicks. But we have seen very positive, fun interactions, trash talk, putting your hands on someone, specifically their family, is is stepping over the line. Now, like you said, we don't have a lot of footage. Most of the footage is just that I've seen as the fan being escorted out. There's no footage of the incident that happened. I imagine it was quick. I imagine that it was not something that was building up. I think it may have been something that just happened because I feel like if there was if there was a build up, there would be there'd be footage. There would be footage if they were shouting back and forth and things were getting intense. You know, Chris Paul was like, I'll see you later, blah blah blah, yelling at the person and threatening them. That I don't really agree with when you're on the court in the heat of battle trying to win a playoff game. I understand going in defense mode, but I think that was a very unfortunate reaction from him during the game when you're supposed to be in the heat of battle, focused on the you know task ahead. But you know, again, it's his family. You know, it's his, it's it's his closest family, the people closest to him that have been with him through all these team changes, all these different transitions. So. I get his defense mode. I think fans need to be careful. People are getting way too comfortable. And before you know it, we're going to have a Malice at the Palace part two. I, I don't think it will be quite the same. I don't think it'll be, but I, I think fans are getting way too comfortable because they feel safe. They feel protected. It's like, it's not, you know, these are people, real people, you're yelling things to. These are their families. It's not just some player you see on TV. These are real people. I think we, like, kind of go into fantasy land with these people and forget that they're actual people that you can't just say whatever you want to. So I I think it's a really messed up situation. I do kind of want to see more or see it unfold more because again we don't have a lot I don't think we'll find a lot of video footage because again I think the recording was after or like it, at the end of the situation but fans need to be careful that's all I'm going to say fans need to be careful or we are going to have a situation again because yes like I alluded to earlier I think the NBA is getting softer but the players are not getting softer there's still some people that you don't want them you don't want to be talking you know most of them tower over the fans most of them i mean most of them you you wouldn't want to talk to like that if they weren't on the court so why 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 are we doing this now yes trash talk but leave the family out of it leave the close stuff out of it or there will be another situation that i think could blow up like malice at the palace did
0: yeah i look it's an it's an unfortunate situation you know i think that the majority of fans do the right thing the vast majority of the fans do the right thing and, and you know i hate to Go cliche here, but it's a couple bad apples are ruining for everybody, right? Um, I don't know exactly what happened. I saw some clips just like you did. I just pulled up an article from Yahoo Sports, and apparently, there was an announcement a few hours ago that the Dallas Mavericks had banned two unruly fans. Um, and the story that they came out with was I'm reading this verbatim. The Dallas Mavericks announced on Monday that they have banned two unruly fans, and unruly fans are in quotes who attempted to give unwanted hugs to members of Chris Paul's family on Sunday. The ban remains in place for the remainder of the postseason. The fans will be allowed back for Mavericks home games in 2023. A little bit there, you know, some head scratching there, but, you know, we don't know if that's the whole story either. We don't know if that's a PR move to protect the fans. Who knows? But I don't want to focus on that specific incident. I want to focus on a bunch of different ones. You brought up Malice in the Palace, right? There's been a couple of times where, where players have gone in the stands. Um, even before Malice in the Palace, uh, Vernon Maxwell, the Houston Rockets, I think it was in either 94 or 95, was sitting on the bench, and someone in Portland was ragging him. I mean, they were just going at him. He went up, 10 rows up, and just clocked the dude. And I think he got something like a 10-game suspension back then. But, you know, I think you're 100% right when you say the fans feel protected. Well, they feel protected because there's no accountability anymore. You know trash talking you want to make it a hostile uh, environment for the opponent to come in here to distract them but this is stepping the line going after somebody's families there are certain things that i think cross the line for me if you wouldn't say it to somebody's face at a bar or right next to them in public i wouldn't say it you shouldn't say it to them on the court that's just my opinion but trash talking tell them they suck Tell them, you know, they're, they're horrible, this and that. I, I mean, come up with some good stuff. I've heard some really creative stuff, some great trash talking at the games. But as far as actually, like, putting your hands on someone's family, you know, if this if you were out in public and that happened, I, you wouldn't do that to somebody in public. I mean, most people wouldn't, right? Another instance, after the malice in the Palace, not too shortly after, Antonio Davis, when he played for the Knicks, very briefly. I'm sure he wants to forget that part of his career because, well, it was a Knicks and they were terrible. But there is a game in Chicago where they played against the Bulls. And I remember watching this game live where out of nowhere, Antonio Davis just jumped over the scores table and went into the crowd because he saw that his wife was being harassed by two guys. He didn't know what was going on. He went and protected his wife. And like you said before, the thing that we forget is these people have families. They're humans. I mean, either, any of us would defend our family members, especially people that are that close. Um, it's a challenging problem for the NBA not sure how they get around it, whether they put the families up in suites where they're protected, add security. And even then, you know, is that going to do the job? But it's going to be a challenge for NBA commissioner uh, Adam Silver going forward. So it'll be it'll be curious to see what happens. Unfortunately, that's going to be a distraction for the Suns, because now Chris Paul is going to continue to be asked about it. The Suns are going to be asked about it. Hell, players on a series that, you know, other series are going to be asked about it, you know. We'll see what happens. I don't know what the the right answer, what the solution is here.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there will be one yet. I think, I think there need to be some extended uh, guidelines or rules or just some things that are relooked at. Um, I don't think that you should specifically not force, but it, you know, enforce a rule to protect players families and put them in a separate place because I think he, they could become a bigger target potentially um, but I also think there needs to be a guy there needs to be something uh, the NBA needs to take action Adam Silver is in my opinion one of the best you know people in charge of any of these professional sports leagues you know the bubble was huge he's done a lot a lot of different things you know this this players organization you know the, the, the I don't know exactly what the name is but Chris Paul's the president of that organization I believe. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but there's a lot of big things that Adam Silver has helped push. Now it's time to address this. Show us the great commissioner you are and do something. We can't you know, stop every drunk fan or every rowdy fan from doing something, but you can at least provide an environment that it makes families of players, players, and just the overall situation feel safer. So hopefully he shows us why I think he's arguably one of the best leaders in professional sports and, and do something swiftly. Um, but so many instances of this, even while he's been at the, under the helm, I think that probably more likely than not, we won't see any big changes. But any change is good change at this point with these situations.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll be curious to see what happens. I mean, the NBA in basketball in general is a sport where the fans are as close to the action Uh, as as any sport, probably the closest of any sport. I mean, they're right Mm -hmm. there courtside, right? They're right there, right behind the benches. Hockey, at least you have the boards up to separate the fans from from the play and and the benches and things like that. So yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, well, that brings episode seven of Well Beyond the Arc to its end. Um, This isn't the only project that Montana and I work on. Uh, Montana has another podcast that he has, and no, he's not cheating on me. He was doing on this. He was doing this podcast before. Well beyond the arc, Montana. Want to plug that uh, podcast?
1: So the podcast is called the Connor and Heffernan Show. Um, it is on Apple Music, Spotify, and Podbean. Um, next episode, I believe, will be dropping within the next two weekends, and there will be a YouTube part. Our episodes run pretty long. We go over a lot of different sports, so there will be a condensed. 25 to 30 minute of clips you can just watch the quick version get a little bit on each sport we talk about and then if you want watch the whole one or just watch the preview and that's just fine we may extend how long the previews are as well um and then just make them actual episodes as well but yeah we are on podbean amazon music and spotify youtube as of next episode and amazon or apple music sometime
0: one of these days we're gonna get t-shirts printed up uh, we'll be on Apple Music sometime. Well, <laughs> uh, I also have uh, another side hustle that I work on. It's a uh, little sports blog I like to call the sportspageblog.com. Uh, just released a entry a couple days ago of just at, posing the question, Ben Simmons or Zion Williamson? Which would you rather have? Personally, I would rather have neither. But if I had to choose one, well, you'll just have to go to the blog and check out uh, who and why. A uh, reminder: uh, next Tuesday, part one of our two-part series um, is going to be dropping. Uh, won't be doing any more animal sounds to, to tease that, but what I can tell you is Montana and I debate a very interesting list that uh, Bleacher Report put out, and we had a little bit of fun doing it. So check, please be sure to check that out next next Tuesday, uh, and then the following Tuesday after that will be part two, and uh, we'll be back with you with regular uh, playoff content. We'll i uh, sure we'll have plenty to talk about that. So, in the meantime, to Nikola Jokic's brothers, please don't come after me just because I didn't say your brother wasn't the, wasn't, the MVP in my opinion. I didn't say anything bad. I'm a Greek brother. We're, we're close by. Serbian brothers. Just, I didn't do anything, man. Just leave me alone, man. I got a, almost a wife and kids. So long, everybody. <laughs>